What's up, everybody? This is Alternate Take. I am your host, Danny Rodriguez. Welcome back to the show. On this episode, we brought you guys a legend, a jiu-jitsu legend. We brought you guys the owner of Checkmat and just honestly one of the most recognizable names in the whole sport, dude. We brought you guys Leo Vieira. Um, it was a huge honor to have this guy on the show, man. I've, I I mentioned in the podcast, but I first heard about Leo like years back on a on a podcast Eddie Bravo was on where he mentions like how cool it was to beat a to beat a Gracie and then all of a sudden, you know, your your dreams are crushed right when you beat right when you had to face Leo Vera again. So ever since I heard that, I've always just kind of down the gone down the rabbit hole with him and then I found out he started Checkmat, uh one of the best jiu-jitsu programs in the country, if not the best, and it was an honor to speak with him, man. He's a hell of a dude and it was it was it was fucking awesome, wasn't it, JB? Yeah, yeah, super cool dude. Um, legendary, of course, uh, or else they wouldn't be on the pod. So that was uh, that was cool. Good insight there. Thanks, JB. Always, always insightful as always. Fucking idiot. Anyways, uh, thank you guys for uh, for tuning in and uh, enjoy the episode. I bring. Oh yeah, I forgot to say the part. I bring to you, Leo Vieira. All right, alternate take, listeners. Welcome back. Today on the podcast, we got one of the biggest legends. In jujitsu history, we got the owner and founder of Checkmat, Leo Vieira. How you doing, sir? I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. So thanks for inviting me to to be here. And yeah, so I'm excited. Hell yeah, man! I'm honored. I've I've heard stories about you for for years. First of all, I'm not good at jujitsu. I haven't even done it. I just signed up recently, but I'm as low as a beginner as you can possibly get. But um. It's good because I didn't like a problem like the question would be like, uh, not we don't get to usage to the same question. So people already know Jiu-Jitsu, they come with the same question. So it's uh, would be like interesting to, you know, drop that perspective. But it, it's nice. It's a, it's a nice sport. How you like so far? Oh, my God. I'm terrible. But that's why I like it. See, I'm, I'm Mexican. Boxing is what you do when you're little. That's just right away. Even when you're just play fighting with your friends and your cousins. It's, but um, that's been my whole life. Boxing has been my whole life. So uh, I knew I had a big weakness on the ground. Um, and in close, it's, it's, it's a lot different. So I was like, oh, I got to address that and I got to fix it. So it's good. I'm a 10th planet with uh John Cho in uh, orange. Great, 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 great. Such a, it's a nice, it's a good, very nice environment. As long as you find like a good coach, a good environment, like it's, a, it's a martial arts, very social, like nice. And like, it's, it's good. Like, like, like in Brazil, born in Brazil, became Brazil, like a, as a, Jiu-Jitsu is something that became Brazilian, but everybody over there, it's a f- just football. So it's football or football. They're not another option. They're not another sports, you know? And like, like a we, I think like a, we make the Jiu-Jitsu become one of the national thing that are like uh, regarding to opportunities, like it change people's life. And also like uh, how, what's it like a martial arts make we stop, like make you bring the name from Brazil out of the country too. So, but, in Brazil, the same as like uh, you say, like it's, it's uh, everybody at all. If you travel, if say Brazil, everybody, oh, Pele. So <laughs> all the names, the soccer players, and, oh, I'm Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. When I was a kid, I, I didn't know anything about Jiu-Jitsu, but I had soccer, of course. Even like, um, I remember there was a little pizza place next to my house when we were kids. We'd go there and there was a little arcade game for soccer. Uh-huh. And we'd we always just pick Brazil. We're like, why, why are we fucking around? Pick the best team, you know, right in the beginning. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a, that's our reputation is about it. But um, 
it's part of your words also to make that change, you know, to build build a, a community, a strong uh, reputation to a, to another perspective. Right. So let's start from there. I wanna uh, I wanna know like where you grew up in Brazil and how jujitsu came into your life, and you know how young you were when you started, and your biggest role models going forward, and all that. I don't know exactly how young I am. Like you know when I start, so sort of, I know my first like a uh, a membership card. The date it's 1985, and I was yellow belt. So I have to start at least like a one year before that. So I'm from 76. So consider like a, about like nine. I think I started about nine, 10 years old, even earlier than that. But uh, was in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, and uh, and uh, Jiu Jitsu, like martial arts, like as a grow up over there, like as a, every kid, you want to be a soccer player, you know? So I was, I was spending my whole time by the beach because I was living close to the beach or in, my, in the street, play soccer with the other kids. And as a kid, so every end of the game, it's fighting. So one of the, the one or another passion that we have is Bruce Lee movies, you know, like Kung Fu movies. So that was a, like a like this my second passion back in the time watching movies with my father or my kid with my brothers we were all watching so that's a thing I think was something that took me over there first because when I had opportunity oh my professor my father was working in the building where my professor used to live and my father worked as a as a superintendent or, or laundry like he does like cleaning like parking cars so like he's those are all the jobs that have to do in, in the building uh so so my professor was open a kids uh uh, uh class in his academy his name is romero cavalcante the older jacaré so he was open a kids class and then he was invited, he was he he talked to my father say oh your kids in the, all in the street the whole day so take your kids to the gym so I went there because in my mind, in my kid's perspective, oh, I'm going to do Kung Fu. <laughs> oh, you know, like I was all expecting one week and no punching, no kicks. I say, man, what happened? Like, what is the punching? What is the kicks? And, and uh, not just punching and kicks, a lot of grappling. I didn't like so much. But that girl, Mariana, you know, you see how traumatic it is because I still know their name. She was like smashing me on the mat. I said, oh my God. Like I was, I was doing okay with the other kids, you know, like headlock, you know, a lot of like a power. Like I was a very physically kid, but this girl, she was a flexor. She was a smaller than me. And she was like armbar, choke me. She was escaping from everything, going to my back and choke me. And I, as a pride, as a kid, 10 years old, you don't want to get beat up for a girl. <laughs> right now you don't want you know but like with 10 years old boy you don't want back in the time oh i was back into the academy every day to pay back i never pay back and and my father was asking hey because my, my father he didn't have time to take me to the to the school to the academy so he was working so so much my mom also she was working uh as a as a cleaning house like a very was very was very like a struggling situation. We like we were poor family, grew up in Rio. So we had opportunity to live in a nice place because my father working for the building, but it was a, everything was very limited to us. And Jiu Jitsu was part of the education that my father understand that was important to us instead that it would be in the street. And that's where they would start. 
And then I got hooked because uh, I also was a smart kid. I, I was making, you know, questions. I say, okay, if it works against this girl, against me, I'm the little one from my friends. And in this week that I was training, I got in, I get in a lot of fights in the in the soccer games, and the jiu-jitsu was saving me a lot. And then I knew already that a jiu-jitsu how important it could be, you know. And and that was that that's what they way really starts. We should get that rematch going with that girl. I'm telling you, the, the whole world will film and watch that. I would love it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's so traumatic. You know those uh, those traumas that we got in the kids. Like, uh, it's like I don't know. Maybe I'll freeze if it's something happens. <laughs> you know, she's walking around still talking shit. Hey, I beat Leo Vera when he was a kid. You have no idea what I can do in this place. That's what I would do. <laughs> uh, That's fun. Do you think um because your parents are so busy working that that actually gave you more incentive to work so hard in a uh, jujitsu. I know for me, I, I wasn't poor or anything, but I definitely had uh, two hardworking middle-class parents that were like most of the time only home for a couple hours a day at the end of the day. So for me, it was nice because it gave me a lot of reason to go and work out and do extra stuff for baseball. And um, because I was like, well, I'm home alone. Might as well just go to the batting cages. Might as well just go outside and, and do some sprints or, or go to the gym. And um, do you think that you had the same experience because you know, you had so much time by yourself as a, at a young age. Yeah, you know, I think as a, I have a like, I think as like a as an individual, like a people, it's a it's not the same thing. It's gonna work as with everybody else, but uh, also as like uh, working with the kids later on and right now, like the the feedback that I have uh, with the parents that the, the parents and family that uh, push too much and the parents and family that let the kids become a kid and just enjoy. So. Like, and uh, and I did my research too. So like I was a kid that I was going to jujitsu, but never was like pressure to, to be like a performance. It wasn't performance. I was going to the tournament, but never was like, you have to performance. You have to performance as a, as a kid. Even like my professor want to, but as a parent, it was like, okay, so if you want to do it, you do it, you know? But uh, they would say, you're not, maybe you, you not, don't need to compete, but you're going to train it. So that was like, they didn't let me quit. So as a getting teenager, I want to stop. They say, no, you're not going to stop. So you're going to stay. You slow down. You go two, three times a week. It's fine, but you're never going to stop. Because I saw how this change. And so how like this is, can be, it's what's important to your life. I don't want you to change. And, and then like in the process to be a kid, teenager, and like young adults, there are a lot of mentally change beside the physical and like you make friends, you want to, you know, see other stuffs and, and like, and the sport is a very uh, safe environment that put yourself in very different, like uh, uh, situations that social and sk social skills and also individual skills, emotionally and physically that you have to, then once you learn that you can apply for your life, you know, and sometimes not realize how important this can be. And I was one of the kids that I was like very disciplined in this sport. And then later on, that's when I wake up and say, oh my God, that was so important to me. So, but be my parents not push me so much, give me a lot of uh, enjoy to be on the mat. Because I remember that I have some friends back in the time that the parents was like from the family that are, that are, that I have a jujitsu before or something like that. They was pushing them to be, performance on the mat size their kids when they they may start making decisions for their life they quit so the first option they quit because uh 
I think was so much like struggling. And when I make interviews with my athletes, because I was trying to make a, a, a blueprint of a bushesha of a, some of our athletes, so I was like, okay, okay, so what should I do? What should I apply to have another bushesha? So I interview a lot of athletes to see how what jiu-jitsu in the beginning, how jiu-jitsu was, uh, was their mentality, jiu-jitsu when they start, when jiu-jitsu became jiu-jitsu, when Marcos became bushesha, when bushesha became a world champion. So all those questions that I make the interview with him and also with all the athletes, I saw that everybody, when they was kid, jiu-jitsu was just a hobby. And that was for me. Jiu-jitsu was my hobby. And the hobby, you want to spend the whole time doing a hobby. So I spent a lot of time over there because it was fun. When jiu-jitsu became a performance, was not that fun. If you're not embrace, if you don't enjoy, if you don't like it, the challenge to have a discipline and performance, you will quit. So if it, that's if the performance is came to you too early, you're gonna stop. So be able to grow up without this pressure, without this pressure over my family was making me be on the mat very like hobby, very free. So when when the when became performance was something natural that would be changing regarding my perspective. So I was the make I was the one making the change to say, okay, I don't want to be a hobby anymore. I want to challenge myself as performance. And right now, being old, it's just like a be hobby again. So it's so much fun. That's awesome. I I like that you said um, that you developed the thirst to go compete, but during that development stage, your parents were still making you go, Hey, no, you're going to do this. You're going to stay disciplined and you're not going to fall straight from this because I think that's a huge uh, hiccup that parents do today where they, where they don't do that. Now it's all about trying to get their children's approval, which is strange because I don't understand that concept whatsoever. I mean, they're, they're not your friends. They're someone you're trying to develop into great adults someday. And mm -hmm. I think it's great that your parents did that. I know my parents did that for me. And I think and get old enough, eventually you'll make your own decision as to whether you want to make it a hobby or go farther, or you can just keep it a hobby for the rest of your life. And I, and I think that's great that you had that framework to work with. Yeah, I think like being working with Jiu-Jitsu for a longer time, I have a lot of data about like people who, who you know, like who start Jiu-Jitsu for what reason or and how the Jiu-Jitsu change their life, what's the lifestyle that this person have, and when, like, well, if the if they had a if they had a pressure, if they didn't have the pressure, so we have a lot of data nowadays that we can usually like know, like I can see for every kid that trained with me, for every athlete that I know that I have, I I talk with him, I make it three five question about like his life. I I already know like how much what kind of athlete he's gonna be and what he's need to change mentally you know, to, to become a successful in Jiu-Jitsu. So uh, that's the, like, be exposed early in this scenario of Jiu-Jitsu and also as a high-level competitor, competitor. So give me, like, I open my mind to this, but also I was very curious about, like, this mentally change because I was a kid that I was very, very shy, you know, difficult to find, to fit myself in, in two different worlds that I see myself, because I was a kid that I was, I was living in a nice building, but uh, I was like, but I was going to the school inside the, inside the favela. So every, every, my, my school that I used to go, everybody's from one community, you know, and uh, they don't see me as a, one of them because I don't live in the same neighborhood as them. 
So I was living in the building in their mind, oh, you're the rich kid that come here to the public school. And then when I'm going to play with my friends that was the rich friends, they say, oh, you, you only, you only here because uh, you, so, you know, like I was have like a, my struggling to find myself in those two different worlds. And jujitsu give myself confidence to fit myself over there, to build friends, to stand up to when I need to protect me. And like, but I'm giving confidence enough to understand and be free, don't you? Okay, so I don't care. Like, I don't know really need. And then, and then these combined, these two words combined later because jujitsu was a very big and patient and combined. And as a, as a later on, like, we just understand that it just, be this segregation, it's just bad. Like we are, in the end of the day, then we all just like a playing soccer again, training jiu-jitsu together and going to the same place, same, say, playing a sport in the same beach, of the same waves. And then all, all everybody became friends. So like jiu-jitsu was fine, give me balance when I was a kid, you know, like, and then what I see, like as a, the feedback that I have with jiu-jitsu in kids and, and even if adults too, it's about balance, you know, like if you, they help you to understand how important and how much value you have and you are, but also make you be very rumble to understand that you're not, you're not that best, you know, like you, you have a limited, but uh, you, you're such an amazing, great person that you can overcome anything, you know? So it's nice. Right. You know, I, I totally understand your, uh, your upbringing on uh, like not fitting in in certain areas. I grew up in uh, Whittier and La Habra. And it's the really? same. It was the yep. first place that I came here. No here. way. Yeah. That's right, baby. What here? That's right. I have a very great friend, like Chris Franco. He was like the angel. You know those guys that you met in your life was an angel in your life. That are... Chris Franco is from Whittier. So Whittier was uh, the first place that I came when I came to United States coaching Vitor Belfort. So I met Chris Franco. So he's like a Whittier size, like he's born in raising Whittier in La Habra. So I was there, you know, you know, like, and I met him. So he was the guy who opened the, the, the house to us, to me, especially to me. And then for my brother, for Lucas, for everybody else. And then, and then the La Habra was my first school that I opened. And then I, when I moved, that I, then I, La Habra was the school that bring all my team over here. So I have a, so much love for the Whitty and La Habra. I love the party they have over there, like once a year with the corns and like the, the, the <laughs> festival. Oh, man. The so corn amazing. festival. <laughs> corn festival, yeah. Oh, man, that's funny. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a cool place to grow up, but it, it has the same exact... Um, I guess challenges you said in a weird way, like mentally for your head, where I played uh, baseball in Pique Rivera and the kids there thought I wasn't ghetto enough. Like, or I wasn't like, uh, I had to step up to their standards because I didn't live in their neighborhood. But then next door is Brea and they're like, you're poor, dude. Like, you're not, you're not our level. So it's like, man, you don't fit in anywhere. But fuck it. It's, you know, baseball was the uniter. And that's, that's how it was for us. Same thing with jujitsu. Same exact thing. Yeah, I think something sometimes like I think it's just like a kid mentality to think that you, you're not fitting in anything until you just like, you know, like, I don't care. And yeah. then, like, okay, you fit in everything. You just like sometimes it's just like, go that, you know, like that, that, that is that are people that look at you. But yeah, of course, they're going to look at you. It's like the haters you have in the Internet nowadays. So they're going to be always going to have a haters because they jealous or because they, they know how potential you are and like, uh, what's the, how strong or confident you have. And they're like, Oh man, like, you know, like it's their, 
honestly, it would be it's their fault, not your fault, you know. Right. That and that's the challenge I found trying to enter uh jujitsu in general because you get all these stupid thoughts in your head like oh my god i gotta get in shape first oh man what i'm gonna be the one who's not good there oh man like ever there is purple brown black belts uh, everywhere blue belts and you know and there's a fifth degree your fifth degree black belt right yeah six six jesus christ like six degree black belt uh, and you, you feel so like man. you see my white hair i got old <laughs> <laughs> exactly and you you hear all that and you psych yourself out but uh, not realizing that everyone there is just going to help you. Everyone there is going to be cool. Everyone knows that they're at your spot at one point or another, the new guy who's not that great. And it's and that's what's beautiful about the sport. I see that more in jujitsu than other martial arts, for sure. I, like in boxing, it's really not that way. Um, you go in and people just start kicking your ass. And they're like, and it's it's a lot more harsh when it comes to new people because they're so about their business that they don't want new people coming in, treating it like it's Disneyland. They're like, no, either come in and you're super cra- you're super into it or get the fuck out. And Jiu-jitsu is a lot more welcoming, which I like. Yeah. I think in the beginning of the sport was very similar to this because I think, um, like, I remember as a kid watching, like, how the jiu-jitsu was before. It was very, like, there was a different situation. So jiu-jitsu was very concerned and, like, I was looking for two, like, a, like competitors, like, a, to fight. Like, they, back in the time, they was fighting each other, fighting sport, like, martial arts against other martial arts. They want to build like fighters that be able to represent the sport against all the sports. So we raised, we raised the athletes back in their time, a very tough and different mentality as today. So then after, after that situation became as a sport. So we, we was a sport. So, okay. So as a sport, so tournaments, competition, so was a, was a different like model or the style like of jujitsu and the athletes too. Nowadays, the competitions became huge, you know, and like different opportunities as athletes, as a as an investor, as a professor, and then jujitsu open up like opportunities to 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 for different lifestyles again. So I think it was a different lifestyle that it had back in the time. But I remember when jujitsu was a like the same kind of type of, I say the boxing, you know, like people are very close. They don't want to, nobody outside, everybody like it to, you have to go to the task. Like a, it's like a, you going to this army or something. They want to beat you up to see how much strong resilience or, or strong you are. Cause if you come back, oh man, like you, then you deserve. So like, like was a lot of this kind of attitude back in the time. Right. Or sports and like, and tanks that 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 the spot to be able to open this like we we can build really tough athletes MMA fighters from jujitsu but we don't have to test themselves we learn how to make the expose to those guys to a very good training but also to a mentally process to be uh, slowly be challenged himself and get confidence to become a, a very strong fighter doesn't have to be just like in one week. Right. And, and I think that culture in a gym starts with starts with, you know, the people who run it. And that's clearly everything I've heard from from your gym, from Checkmat. I mean, um, first, I, I want to go through your your career as a competitor. I mean, I'm looking up all your stats here and it's it's honestly insane. You're two time world champion, two time ADC winner, ADCC winner, first place as a brown belt in 96, you know, and you got countless championships all the way through. And um, what was that experience like for you? Because, you know. I think the first time I heard 
your name was years ago on like, I think 2015. It was an interview on uh, the Church of What's Happening Now. It's a podcast with a uh, comedian Joey Diaz, and he had on Eddie Bravo on there, and that was the first time I heard about you. Where he's talking about, um, you know, I beat Horler Gracie. I just won the Super Bowl. It was like the most amazing thing in my head. And Joe Rogan's giving me the hug, and like I'm crying. And then immediately I remember, holy shit, I got to face Leo Vieira right after this. And he's like, and then it's like the most depressing thing in the world. He's like, because I, you go from being on top of the world to just getting smashed right after to a legend. And then he talked about you and Lucas Leach at La Habra. So tell me about your your competitive days and how how, how that process was for you. Uh, you know, like my competitive days was very started by very young change different like phase. Like as a kid, I I didn't like compete so much. I was very nervous, crying, you know, like uh, like struggling because I, for somehow already as a teenager, I was already understand that it was like winning and lose. Like yeah, it was tough for me to, to deal with lose. I don't want to lose. I don't want to like, that's why I was putting myself a lot of discipline behind, you know, like, I put a lot of discipline with food, with lifestyle, with, you know, everything to make sure that I, I will not lose. I hate lose. I was not, you know, like, like I used to say that, uh, like, we have competitor, we have a fighter. So I wasn't competitor. I doesn't want to go to compete, you know? So I doesn't, like, as I'm playing soccer, I, I don't want to go to weekend just to play soccer. No, I want to just go to Super Bowls. I just want to go to the game so when i was step on the mat was by was about like to give myself to die so i want to i want to fight until i die so that was the my commitment so i don't know if it was the experience in their life and how like sometimes hurting about like oh you're not gonna be enough you're not gonna enough you're not enough that was motivating me myself to to prove all those people that was wrong so like maybe i don't have the shape or the tallest or the strong or the speed but i have the heart that i i'm gonna make it i'm gonna make it through so whatever i was trying to do i was giving my best from one simple thing to a very complex i was giving my best you know and like lose was was very something that make me feel uncomfortable. So compete back in the time when I was a kid was a very traumatic because I don't want to lose, you know? In my mind, lose was not, was was wasting my time, was wasting the opportunity of my parents, or like it was wasting the opportunity that I can have in their life. So I was putting so much of my time, my commitment and my discipline behind that. So I make a lot of results because of that. But also, I also was not, fun for me and then like uh, getting older as uh like uh, when i became a blue belt something like this blue or purple belt i said i have to change their mind because if he, I, if that's something that i want if this is something that i want to do i need to change my mind cannot can be like that i have to to make to to change and then i start you know uh i, I i'm christian i always like reading the bible i started reading in like a Searching myself, I didn't have nobody to make questions, you know, to to answer those questions mentally to say how can I fix this problem. So I make questions to my professor, to my parents, but they 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 did not give the answer. They just say no, just train him, ah, just go back to the gym, and that's what the answer that doesn't doesn't answer your question. So when you make the questions, when did you have answer for your question? This give you more anxiety. This give you more nervous, and that's why I was so nervous back in the time. I didn't have the the answer to my questions. And then I started to research by myself. I didn't have internet. There are no phone or social media, nobody to, you know, to, to copy or to, to ask. So I started reading the Bible and then I find all the answers over there. 
So everything that was giving me anxiety about my future, about performance in fights, I was, was there, was that book. And then I said, oh my God, no, I don't believe it's here. And then I was reading stories about, about the, you know, the athletes or the people, the warrior, the guys that have a, like a lot of stories about like Bible stories and a lot of like a mentally like a performance like a, that I have over there in the book. I say, oh man, like, and then for, and then I start, the process start changing. And then the competition start became something very like challenging and nice challenging for me. It was something that I, I was pleasured to do it. And then, and that's the way, and that's the change. And that's changed the whole perspective of competing. So, but before, man, before I was crying, I was even like, oh my God, I hope my, I hope my professor that he came today to pick me up. Every day I say, hey, Leo, we have competition this weekend. I pick you up at 10, 10 a.m. I was like, I wake up at eight in the morning. I say, oh my God, please don't come here. No, not pick me up today. <laughs> so he show up. I say, oh my God. Like, and then I was in the car like, uh, okay, we're going to be late. We're going to be late. We're going to be late. I was begging like, okay, so we, I hope we'll be late for they have a no fight, you know? So I was crying. But when, once I step on the mat, you know, because one day I was, I was so... It's funny because one day I was crying a lot and my professor told us, hey, Leo, you don't have to fight. It's okay. If, you, if you're that nervous, you don't have to fight. And then I say, I say no, Jacare, I want to fight. I just, that's the way my body reacts. I don't know why. You know, I don't know why I make nervous. I can control this. The only thing I control if I'll fight or not. But once I step on the mat, I was like, that's something that I want to do. So I still have a tears in my eyes, but uh, like, I was fighting hard, very hard. But the, the problem was like later, I was why, why don't you, like, how do I change that? Why do I change that? And he gave, nobody gave me the answer. But I was so like blessed and lucky that uh, they, 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 all the answer was right there in the book. And so when I, and I was started reading, I started answering all my questions. And then the competition became like, just like a being like a, in that environment that I want to challenge myself and and change the whole perspective of my life. Yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, the podcast that we have it's it's diverse as it gets. We have comedians, we have fighters, we have musicians, and everyone has their their story or how they figured out how to be comfortable in their own storm, whatever that might be. Um, and a lot of people, you had religion to help them. A lot of people had whatever, some other experience, a lot of people just brute force, like just going back, going back, going back, but everyone has their own little way to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And, um, and I, and I love that because once you tap into that, you're unstoppable because nothing can hurt you. Like even a loss can't hurt you because you're so like at peace with yourself and you're so confident in yourself and you, and you know, you can control what you can only control. And I, and I think that's uh that's badass. I even got to that level and it obviously paid off. I mean, you were, you, the world's most prestigious submission grappling title is the ADCC, and you won first place in 2003, 2005. Um, how was that like going from an ADCC champion, IBJJF, which is like the UFC of jiu-jitsu, to going to a head professor? When, when did that switch happen for you when you decided, you know, I, I think I'm falling more in love with coaching than I am with actually competing? And, and, uh, and tell me about that journey, starting Checkmat. Yeah, uh the competition, like uh, for me, like I said, like it was uh, something very like, uh, like of course, Jiu Jitsu wants to be a world champion. 
you know, and competing back at that time was especially the time that the division that I fought, I was fighting against like people that are, that are, that are very high, high, uh, not just level competitor, but also in the very high, uh, uh, like, uh, uh, in the team, like the people that are, they're organized tournaments, you know, like it was very like a, Build, right now the sport was better but before it was super challenging to fight against like a, like a Grace Barra team because they was the one that are, that are, you know organizing tournament it was super tough to fight against those guys in their tournament you know so like but uh, we and we had uh, like the sport was changing a lot so it became another federations was became another opportunities and then like a that I was opening up different opportunities to the to the to the competitors, but for me, like always, since I was like teenager, I already knew it. Like what the my my goals are. I was not aimed to be a world champion. I was not aimed to be only a DCC champion. I was aiming to be an MMA fighter. So I want, I knew it that a martial arts would change my life. My life would change my my family life. That was all about maybe competing, maybe teaching doing something, but I knew it that, I, okay, I'm going to do the martial arts change the perspective that I have right now. And my perspective is going to help the people that are close to me. So when I was already black belt and then jujitsu was big enough and I was, and I fight a world champion, like I was already world champion. So became all the opportunities to fight different jujitsu federation, but also different like a martial arts, a no gi and even MMA. But, uh, because I already knew it that, uh, that uh, what my goal were, I was not taking one of the federation or taking one of the side. I was I, I was embracing the whole thing because I like I was making I was making decision over my personal goal, and and I knew it. My goal was very clear that about martial arts, not just about jujitsu. That's the why, like uh, like I didn't fight so much IBJJF because uh, the rules the like the results are so much manipulate back at the time. And I was fighting with the guys that are Holly Gracie, uh, Master Feitos, those guys was like, the guys from like, they're not, they, they don't need help. They're already tough, you know, but they still have like, if you watch the fights that I lose, you're going to see always oh, it's, it's a cousin or it's somebody from the team. They all, all connected because yeah. that's the referees, you know? So either you don't have the whole option. If you're not part of this, like, okay, so you're the one that are going to be there. Right. So don't take me wrong. Like it does not excuse. I give my best. I did look, but uh, my goal as a be a world champion was because I want to prove to myself that I can be. And also because it was open opportunity to be exposed to, uh, to the other, like to the world. So ADCC, like IBJF give me exposure to go to ADCC. ADCC give me exposure to go to MMA and another uh, uh, submission grappling match fights. But MMA was paying the same as a, as a grappling in Jiu-Jitsu for me, not for everybody, but I was making exactly the same money. So why do I go to MMA? And I say, no, I want to stay over here. And, and then later I start making, like, then I already have my school. I already have my students. And then like, like uh, with the process with uh, Alliance, because of the whole world was changing, Alliance was making one direction. And like there a group inside the Alliance who was thinking different. That's why we, we open up. 
we break the team. And then after that, like was a was two young people with a, a lot of different responsibilities when it was Braza. And that's when I decided to open up a checkmate because I was just like frustrated to be in, in teams that I was not open the opportunities for the way that I thought was, you know, uh, fair. So I decided to, to make a checkmate, the teams that have uh, opportunities for everybody, but also at the same time, everybody has a freedom to become a black belt. They know how important they are. They like, uh, the more important to us, okay. So every school, you know, like, it was important to me, like every academy have their own ID. So you need to know who you are and how big a potential you can be. So give you ID and freedom and like, uh, and like that for me, it was important. So I was just tired to be in teams that didn't respect the professors and affiliations and like athletes like the same the, the, the same as uh, others so and that's that's what became a checkman and like uh, we we have a we had we had a, a group that was that became a very solid game and strong slowly you know but a very very commitment very close friends you know and you know and that's that's was the beautiful of the checkman is how friendly how close you are to each other yeah, I believe you guys started in 2008, right? That's what I checked, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I wish I would have started. I was a freshman in high school then. That would have been awesome. I went to La Habra. So, you know, it's funny because we have, uh, you know, Elder Cruz. He's a La Habra kid. Um, he's coming on the podcast. Well, he speaks nothing, you know, but the best about you guys and, and Lucas Lich and the whole program over there. And um, I, I like that there's a good blend of local talent plus talent from overseas. Like, how, how do you guys bring talent from Brazil? And try to get them over here like do a you know like do the color system and like how do you guys is there like word of mouth or connections like how does that work out for you guys yeah like uh you know like uh it's very natural as a group of friends like when you you do something that it's important to you you're going to share with your friends like and you happy of you you help your friends that like that's the way that we we help each other so of course as a as a as a comrade as a checkmate as a team i want to be strong enough to have to support all the whole team. So, and that's what uh, that are the platform that we're building to, like a big network to build into this. So we are a huge platform, like a huge network that uh, we help each other. So we have a lot of schools, like a lot of affiliation, a lot of talent that sometimes they want to compete, but they don't have opportunities to compete like uh, in the big tournaments. So we, but uh, we we have we are so connected that we know each other. We know everybody. So those are small school that are maybe like in La Habra, like La Habra is already considered a big school. It's one of our important academy. But I'm just saying, like if you have a one small school that uh, is running over there, that a uh, young uh, athlete that wants to become competitor, and if he start like, uh, if he get a uh, like once he got like talent and, and uh, results in those local tournaments, he got invited. He had opportunities to go to those uh, like big like uh, headquarters, to the, those big club, like schools that he, he can train with uh, bigger names. He performs before tournaments. So this make he get, people know him, 
Then he make he training with all the athletes that became we already was world champion, and this give him experience and give him confidence to go to the next tournament. So we have a very good program, athlete program that 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 find out talents in those local schools and then bring it to those like uh, training centers. And then for training centers, we help them to to travel like for international tournaments, competition, sponsor, house you know, and they, for their performance as athletes. Wow. And then now it brings us to now, which is the world's was just passed. And your guys' success has just been everything I've been hearing about. You guys won, you know, the male team title for Gi, for Gi Worlds, the team title for men and women's for no Gi Worlds. I mean, and your blue and purple and brown belts were, were killing it. And then obviously your black belts. So tell me about that whole experience now, you know, leading up to now, Checkmat's considered like basically one of the best, if not the best, in the world you know that's that's how big this has gotten you know it's it's a huge honor yeah like uh it's something that uh, every single professor students uh our affiliation have been working for you know was uh it's something that like uh surprised some people but didn't really surprise us because it was something that we was working hard for a longer time so if you watch the the whole like uh scenario like uh our team never was contracting by athletes so every every our athletes we build athletes maybe we lose some athletes from other teams but we don't mind because uh, we know the value the moral value that we have if you don't have if you don't share the same values as us it's fine just go no problem you know so we don't want that we want the people that share the same values because what we build is something solid and it's going to stay for 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 life so that's the concept that we have so we don't want to buy nobody no buy athlete no buy professor because when you buy something it's just buy opportunity so if somebody has their better opportunities like the market so you're going to lose so that's like it was something that we we already decided to build our own athletes. We have knowledge. We have good professors. We have a we have a very good not just one. We have a lot of good talents, uh, professor who knows how to build the athletes. So we know how to one thing that you know how to it's build the athlete. But take time. It's like a seed. You know, you build the athletes. He became a blue belt. He became a purple belt. He became a brown belt. So that a process. But if you look at this process regarding the tournaments, like 2008 until now, you're going to see that we was changing, changing. But it was, was the top three, top five teams. And in the last two, three years, we all top three, you know. But the teams that was winning, Alliance and Atos, there was like a lot of like getting buying athletes, contract athletes. So they they suffer just like which natural work, like a, they break because, uh, you know, money's in, money's out, you know, so they broke and like they have a huge, like a very, like a uh, real event, like a breaks, you know, which put us in the spot there that, that uh, we then, we didn't put the money in front of our friendship. We don't put the money in front of our goals. So we compete, we're fighters, so we break, like we're here. So we're gonna, and we, that was the strong tournaments. Like we, we're not showing just showing results in the back, but uh, this year was a solid year that uh, we, we with a no gi we won like we became world champion uh, no gi with male, female, and take second the master. 
you know. So, but uh, in the beginning of the tournament, we was scoring first place in juvenile, first place in in in, uh, in novice, which means that we have a white belts, we have a kids, so we have a people that was coming up. So it was just about about the timing. So the timing was right right now. So. People are always going to find excuse, going to say, ah, because this happened with us, because that was not the word. Like, what kind of word is that? Of course, that's a jiu-jitsu word. It's not a ping pong. That's a jiu-jitsu word. <laughs> wasn't wasn't pyramidal, but who cares? It's still like a world championship. Whatever people are going to say, just like I say, it's like a haters. Like, it just show how weak, how jealous they are about, and then, then show how much strong and how much, like, right you are in your in your way. So we are very, we are very uh, happy with the title. We have ha also very happy with the, with the opportunity that we, we create with how this message, we goes to the other affiliation because we came with the struggle as everybody else. We didn't have our hundred percent athletes. We have a lot of athletes in Europe. We had a lot of athletes in Brazil that could came, that could come here. We were struggling as everybody else, you know? So, but the good thing, we have a lot of locals, good fighters. We have a lot of locals, like American, like kids that are, that are sometimes they didn't have like, uh, sometimes they didn't have the, the same spot in the media, in the social media. Did they talk about them? Did they talk about us? But we here since day one. So we win tournaments. We have a lot of local guys United States, like American kids that are that are like as a El Monstro, which is huge, beating up so many people, but sometimes the media doesn't show, doesn't give the, the right opportunity. And I'm, I'm so glad and thanks. And when you open opportunities for he explain and show, because you know, that that's that's a good, that's a good feedback. And that's a good result of his discipline because he's a tough kid. They have a regular job who work the whole day and they go to the gym training and they go to the performance the tournament. A lot of those kids, they just compete. They just compete. So, you know, show so much how potential, how big he he is, you know. Yeah, I think the easiest way to explain it all, like for someone who just knows like the basic sports in America, like if this is baseball, you're competing against all these other Yankees organizations where they can just buy athletes and then just flip them over, no problem, and then try to win a championship right away. You guys are like the small town team that built up talent from their farm system. They drafted very well. They went through the minor league system. They raised up their athletes all together and you guys won a championship and you guys did it the right way with learning how to play ball the correct way. And this, in this analogy, jujitsu and uh, man, I respect the hell out of you guys. You know, it's, it's like I said, I've known about you for a long time. And then, you know, I was surprised how everything's been unfolding the last couple of years. Cause I don't know anything about jujitsu and I have a, I have another buddy who trains at jujitsu at, uh, at La Habra too. And he's been talking about you for years. Like, yeah, Lucas Slade, and Leo Vera. And, I, and I'm, also, I'm usually drunk most of the time. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, no problem. I'll look it up tomorrow. And then, uh, you know, it's just been mind-boggling to look at your guys' success. And I, I can't, you know, stress that enough. You guys are an amazing, an amazing organization. And um, that being said, like, what would be um, the easiest way to contact you guys for the newest generation, for kids trying to start? Because, like I said, I'm, I'm the biggest moron there is. And I'm, and I'm terrible at jiu-jitsu. So I'm, if I'm looking to go somewhere, like, how would they get? Why would they go to, you know, Checkmat headquarters in Long Beach and all these other places? Yeah, you know, like we have a website, checkmatbjj.com, that you can find our like schools where we are. Uh, but we very like a low, like profile, like we work like a very slow like this, like we quite not good marketing. We're not a, a team that are, we have this, we have that, we're exposed, like we're very good at what we have. We're very good at what we do. 
we are the best what we do. We are the best what you have. And I'm pretty confident. But also, like, same time, we kind of like a secret society, you know, like, <laughs> it's, a, it's a, to be part of the checkmate, like, a, like as a team, like, are we very concerned about who is going to be, who is going to be one of us? So we very, we very, like, uh, we, we teach jujitsu, but are we, we try, we teach as much important, like we teach values that bring us together. So that's the more important to us, you know? And, uh, and uh, like when I, when I decided to do the teams and like checkmate, like I didn't have the whole mod, I didn't have the model that I can copy. I did define like a leadership that I can, I can copy. I say, oh, I want to be like those guys. I want to be like those guys. I, I didn't have a somebody, nobody. And that's like, uh, I went, I, I went back to the, to, to the Bible, to the book again, to get all my answers. And over there, I find the whole model to be copied. Over there, I find that again, all the answers that I need to build the uh, quality team, a quality environment, a quality of a, a company that we're gonna be, you're gonna respect everybody, you're gonna give the best. And like, and that's what we do because we concern about everybody else because our goals, it's like, it's more, it's protect the person, it's protecting my, my partner. So when I have like, when I'm not selfish, so when I'm, when my goal is protect the person on my side, it means that the person on my side have to protect me. So you step on the mat, you have a lot of people ready to protect you. So you look yourself as a, we look ourselves as a checkmate. We don't see ourselves as an individual. We see ourselves as a team. So I think that's the biggest thing of us, but we not we still like working. We still a baby team, so we still like uh, working and like getting to develop how how marketing, but also like uh, the 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 you know because uh, I know like sometimes like we not we don't we don't marketing we don't expose us so much, but uh, yeah I think the social media I'm not like my social media. If you jump my social media, you're gonna see like my last post was longer time. Because we also at the same time, we are very good at face to face. I like to see the people, I like to touch, I like to talk, I like the conversation eye to eye. You know, even we have a phone, they're like, yeah, I'm not against, like, I'm very, like, we, we have to use the resource, but uh, but the person writes the side, you don't need text, the person is close to you. We have to touch, you have to look in his eyes. Like, that's why, like, uh, I'm very, I have the people who may, who critics criticize me too but I lo- I like the person that who look at me and tell me give me advice that look in my eyes and tell me what I have to do what I have to because those are the people who loves you those are the people that will really care to you even it's not just the people who step and hey good job no I I I I I hear so much like uh suggestion like and ideas but the people who look in my eyes not they're just the haters they just text with a code name or doing this because then it's that is that's that, that's not love. That's just hate it. But you know, like it's thanks so much for the opportunity. And I just I just you know wish that uh you know people just find like a, there are a lot of good schools. Jujitsu is a very good like community, and like yeah, but we have a very big team. We have a very nice environment. Like we are the loudest in the tournament, and we are the loudest in the tournament. Maybe not the biggest as a number, but we are the biggest as a heart. We're the biggest as a friendship for sure. And everybody will find will find a, 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 a your lifestyle, you know, inside our team. We have a yeah, we respect and we are very embrace everybody else. That's beautiful. If that isn't the best way to market, check Matt. I don't know what else is, man. I'm telling you, you guys, 
are number one in the world right now. Congratulations to everything. And um, you guys have social media so they can tap into this and they can check your social media or check Matt's social media? Yeah, check Matt HQ. That's all. Instagram, from that we can, we can spread to the other. Awesome. Beautiful. Thanks again, Leo. I really appreciate it. This was, a, it was an honor meeting you and it was a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much. Of course, brother. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Our interview with one of the biggest jujitsu legends ever and the founder and owner of Checkmat, Leo Vieira. Thanks for getting to coming on the show, Leo. I really appreciate it, man. I can't wait to go out there to uh to Checkmat headquarters in Long Beach, to Checkmat La Habra, you know, and uh and to get my ass kicked, man. I'm ready, dude. I'm ready to I'm ready to learn how to fuck shit up. Humbly, of course. And um there's nowhere better to do that than Checkmat. So uh Thanks a lot for coming on the show. Congratulations to all of your guys' success with IBJJF. And um, best of luck to all of you guys going forward, man. Hope all of you guys go to uh, Leo's social media websites. I put it all in the description. I also put the uh, websites to check men in there as well. And uh, thanks for tuning in. See you guys soon, dude. Peace.